Hi, and welcome to the Irana Hills Church of Christ podcast. We hope this message from Pastor AJ Hines brings you closer to knowing God, finding freedom in Him, and understanding what He has in store for you and your community. To learn more about Irana Hills Church of Christ, head to aranahills.church. We hope you enjoy this message. Amen. Amen. Very good. I'm going to take a seat. Is that okay? I wanted to do the Ellen thing, but it's a bit wide. You know how Ellen sits on the chair? Have you seen that? Anyway. <laughs> I tried to, I'm so relaxed at the moment because we're doing this series. I tried to sit on a chair in the front earlier, like you sit on a couch, like a side thing. And a couple of people laughed at me. It's a miracle that chair is still there, by the way. Good, sturdy workmanship right there in that chair. I came across, um, who loves watching videos on the internet? Nah? Yeah? YouTube. What's good about social media is it knows what you're thinking, so it posts everything you watch. Actually, if you just watch something once, there's like 10 of those videos in a row. <laughs> Very annoying. But um, I saw a video of a little boy that's possibly a little bit cuter than my boy. Uh-huh. I might strip them and get a lot of 
<laughs> How good is that? That just calms me down. What a cute boy. That's the accent, baby. I'm a busy man. <laughs> He's busy. Now, there were, there's some speculation in the comments why he is like this. And the majority of people said it's probably because of his dad. He's a busy man. And uh, it's cute. <laughs> Uh, hurry is actually a problem it is and um, what we do in our life um, very easily transfers to our children they're like little sponges and so are we in fact the reason we are so hurried is probably because of other people if it was just us we wouldn't desire the things that they do we desire things because other people desire them we see this when little kids play with toys or a toy the rivalry that is ignited in a moment. Just a toy you couldn't care less for, but because it's, there's another person wanting it, you desire it and you'll fight for it and you'll take it. And it's this mimetic desire that puts us on this track of always trying to do more, to have more. In fact, often uh, in the office we'll have a bit of just banter, you know, before we do all our big work and our important meetings. And uh, we'll talk about the shows that we're watching at the moment online, on Netflix, for instance. And when you hear of someone that's watching something that you're not watching, you make a mental note or actually a physical note. You have to go and watch it because <laughs> it's so good. You can't miss out on this thing. And we do this. We just add on to our lists all the time. And last week we started this conversation really trying to diagnose our hurry. It's very hard to know how hurried you are, uh, and you often only notice it when you stop. It's like you feel worse before you feel better. You know that third or fourth day of your holiday when you only start calming down and you realize how tired you really are. In fact, after last week, thinking about all this unhurried business, I had three days this week, and this morning was one of them, where I woke up so tired. <laughs> Like, you know, it's not like, a, oh, I'm lazy, I want to be in bed. How good would it be in bed? It was a, like a, a passionate, I do not want to get out of this bed. I feel terrible. Um, and I think it's a good thing. I think it's a good thing when you start readjusting, you actually notice that you're in a rush. And it's not the way that we are called to live. It just isn't. The reality is that people burn out all the time number of people now very at a record high um, are taking their own lives and it's this pursuit to a future which we desire and we do not know that pushes us into that direction you physically get a heart attack from doing too much not too little so our journey is to trim away that which is in the way and you can't do that 
quickly because your body will go into shock. You do it slowly. You can't go slow, fast. So we are inspired to think in this way throughout this year, but we also recognize that this series in and of itself will not be the only thing that we need to adapt to, but that we will practice some of the practices we are going to talk about personally and corporately into the future. And we invite you on that journey to help us shape that. Uh, it's not easy to adapt your pace. You notice it when you're with someone who's complete, who's very slow. Not just mentally, like physically slow. <laughs> Do you have slow people in your world? Kids are slow. When you get older, you become slower. Isn't it true? And it's frustrating when someone's very slow. Um, it's also sometimes frustrating when someone's very quick. I had a boss, not the previous boss, two bosses back. <laughs> we were on holiday uh, as a team. Not holiday, it was a retreat. It was a masked retreat. It was really a planning trip. And as we got out, first day of the retreat, this brother walked so fast, you nearly have to run just to keep up. It doesn't, it's not going anywhere important. He's just walking for breakfast or going you know, somewhere or just going to the loo. He moves at pace. Do you know people like that? I'm like, what's the rush, my friend? The other day I was sitting with my children in the house and because I'm reading all this literature on going slow, I said to them, well, today we've got a free day. You know what we're going to do? They said, no, what are we going to do? I said, we're just going to stay at home. We're going to go outside. We're going to sit on the grass and look at each other. <laughs> the wailing and the gnashing of teeth. It was hell on earth. That's terrible. What a terrible. I said, it's silence and solitude. We hate silence and solitude. I said, give me a definition of solitude. We don't know what it is, but we hate it. <laughs> and I realized we've got a problem. My children take a break from their iPads on the television. So just get off your iPad and watch Netflix. Slow down. <laughs> It's real. <laughs> the other day we went for a drive on the holiday. I'll get to my sermon now. Time hasn't started. I went, to, I went, to my, went on the holidays. So I thought I'd go for a drive. So we went up, is it Mount Glorious? We went out that way and we just continued driving. And we went by Mount Nebo. Is that the next one? Anyway, we were somewhere. It was Mount Nebo. And I was never there. And so we drove and I saw a little path to the side. By that time, my children were incredibly frustrated because they thought we were going to the city and entertainment and lights and the games room, which they love, which is a, a drain on your finances, a lot of pain in that space. But we, we drove down this little lane and we, there's an incredible view across uh, God's creation from that space. And I thought, we're going to get out of the car. We're going to go there. We're going to stand there for 10 minutes. We're just going to watch the beauty of nature in silence, <laughs> they manifested. We weren't even at the lookout yet. And I just stood there and I said, enough. I'm, I'm, I've got a few, a little bit of control. I'm making a decision today that I shall stand here for 10 minutes and watch the nature. <laughs> you can do what you want. You can fall off the cliff. I'm not moving for 10 minutes. They cried, they walked around, they didn't go far because they realized we were in the bush and there was no plugs or anything around. And so they stayed close to dad. And so 
It's amazing how after a few, they still hated it, but after a few minutes, everyone, the crying stopped, subsided. Everyone just calmed down. I said, man, I have a role to play in these children's lives. The reason they're not adapting to my example is because I'm not an example. <laughs> it doesn't help if I have these once a year moments of being quiet and looking into God's creation when I'm more on my phone than they are. Uh, last week, we had a little screenshot there of our own screen time, which is an application on your phone you can check. And there was some good news this week because I discovered, actually, mine was around 13 hours average a day on my phone, I know. I did get some emails in the week, concerned emails. <laughs> Bless you. And, but I, I have, there's some leeway. I recognize that my daughter's devices are connected to mine, and they're using the same username. <laughs> yes so it wasn't 13 hours a day it was like 11 and a half <laughs> that was about nine nine so i mean i do my work on there and you know, stuff dallas willard once called harry the end, great enemy of a spiritual life in our day the greatest enemy and he said the way to solve it is you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life Corey Ten Boom said, if the devil cannot make us bad, he will make us busy. Uh, I believe that this little book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, and others are touching on a cultural moment in time now, where if we as Christ followers that are people of the Spirit do not engage almost in a ruthless, warrior-like posture, we will not be able to handle the consequences of this moment on our youth and the next generation. We just won't. And I'm pro-technology, don't get me wrong, I love it, I love AI. I think we're moving into great territory when it comes to discoveries. But if we're not managing it, it starts managing us. And it is all the time. It's selling us, it's charging our time, it's telling us when to go where, and we're not in a place where we can recognize that. Because you often talk to people, they're fine. I'm busy, I'm hurried, I'm a busy man. Matthew 11, verse 28 to 30 is our core text for this conversation. Are you tired, no hands up, worn out, burned out on your religion? Come to me, says Jesus. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. Sometimes you recognize that you've lost a hold of your soul and your life. I'll show you how to make a, take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. What shall I do it? Both the problem and the solution in one text. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Who's up for a good rest? Yes. That's a holiday. Going to rest. Looks different for everybody. So the solution to this problem that we identify, and we'll continue talking about the problem because some of us can just skim past the fact that we are in trouble ourselves. It's not more time because you're probably just going to fill it with other things. Back in the day, they thought you were rich if you went on a lot of holidays. Now, when you're loaded, you're working all the time. It's not a series. The solution is not AJ sitting on a couch making jokes. It's actually not going to work 
if we do these things in a short period of time. It's not just self-control. Self-control is the fruit of a deep discovery, but it's not just you doing better, concentrating more, putting in more effort. (laughs) That's actually what's in the way of breakthrough. Your efforts. It's not working. So maybe we need to lay down on the ego. It's not self-help. And my heart today is to share a few thoughts about us being in Christ and Christ being in us that helps us understand that there is a finished, complete uh, foundation to our thinking that will help us integrate certain rhythms. And if we miss this, we will fall into a place of self-help because the world is full of advice. If we don't have a deep revelation in our heart, we won't be able to adapt in any way, shape, or form, not for the long time, long term at least. So I believe that Jesus is the solution to all things, but to our hurry. Yes, there's power in the name of Jesus. I can just say, Jesus, (laughs) you're going to be slain in the spirit, stand up completely rested. It's possible. It's not probable. Because it's not just Jesus and recognition of him, but it's going into a posture of following the way of Jesus, the way that he lived. So much of our emphasis has been on his death, but I think we need to rediscover the beauty in his life. The way that Jesus lived and moved, the way that he ministered, the way that he just not, didn't just proclaim good news, but he embodied it. I think therein is such a beautiful discovery that sets us on a path to be like him in our world and make a difference, but also experience a glorious life. Not a glamorous life necessarily, a glorious life. A glorious life might not look like the glamorous life that's being sold to us all the time. A glorious life might include some pain and suffering. It might include moments of being uncomfortable, but it is the best kind of life. And when we follow Jesus, we become his apprentice. We walk with him. We move with him. We watch how he does things because that's what the text says and the living word inside revealed to us. Uh, That is the essence of being a disciple. And when you're a disciple, you have certain disciplines. It's the root word of that posture. The four Sabbaths then, the the four, sorry, rhythms that we'll be looking at over the following four weeks, not today, is Sabbath, silence and solitude, slowing and simplicity. These are things that we have to approach not towards rest, but from rest. And there's a very big difference in those postures. If we approach them as little keys or mechanisms towards a better life, I think we're going to lose out. But if we discover that Jesus has accomplished our rest for all eternity in him, we're included in his story, then we take these things as helping us discover that rather than getting us there. It's not just a turnkey solution. It's a journey. Who loves that word? It's a pilgrimage. It's a pilgrimage. Uh, While back, um, I was introduced to an elimination diet. Doesn't that sound fun? 
So when you do an elimination diet, is you just eliminate everything. <laughs> no, you eliminate everything that creates inflammation in your body. And so you basically eat leaves and meat. Come on. That's good news. You eat meat and fat and all that stuff. Um, and then what you do is, is after a period of time, you've lost a bit of weight. After a period of time, you reintroduce things into your life. And by in that way, your body is reset and you can identify the problems or the issues in your life in a specific way because you're just introducing that one thing at a time. I think in many ways, lockdown for us has been an elimination diet. Now, we filled it very quickly up with other things. We've ne- not really made big, I mean, who's made, good on you, but who's made life-changing adjustments since the beginning of last year and all those lockdowns? Who's made significant, good, it's good. Like, I cheer you on. Who would want to make more significant adjustments to their life that haven't discovered it during lockdown, but haven't integrated that when they have choice? You see, it's easy to change your life when the government tells you. (laughs) But when you have freedom, actually, I'm really happy that we're entering this conversation, not in lockdown. Now there's restrictions, I get it. But we are not forced. And it's that place of freedom, not outside of religion, in relationship where we get to decide on things that are present and that which is not. And that is the difficult part. You see, when everything's open, it's hard for me to choose. But that is the place that we are called to. In the midst of our world, we are called to be a light. Eugene Peterson helps us understand this moving from rest. And this is just a quote from one of his works. He says, the Hebrew meaning of evening and morning sequence conditions us to the rhythms of grace. We go to sleep and God begins his work. We wake into a world we didn't make, into a salvation we didn't earn. You read this in the creation story. As God moves through the different elements, as he creates them, there was what? There was evening And there was morning. He says it after everything he makes. And there was evening and there was morning. You see, in our heads, it starts in the morning. You do the work. You earn the rest. You move towards a holiday. You don't move from rest. You move in order to earn rest. Is that not true? In your year calendar, you look at the times you have to be at work and then you try and squeeze in a few holidays and breaks in there or you just procrastinate and you put it at the back burner instead of entering the year in rest. And I believe that if we follow the God-given rhythms uh, embodied in Jesus, that we would enter spaces and days and months and years more from a posture of rest rather than working towards it. God made everything and then he rested. We started on the rest day and then we started working. We're not God. That's good news. Four things that I think are very important, almost like four pillars or four foundational blocks in our understanding before we implement these different rhythms. Firstly, I am... In Christ. I live not towards rest, but I live from rest. Colossians 3, verse 1 to 4 says, 
Since then, you have been raised with Christ. You set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. We are in Christ. I am in Christ. So the net result of my life is not my achievements. The maximum peak of my performance does not lie on when I did best or had the biggest salary or achieved the most things. The greatest achievement in my life has nothing to do with my effort. It sits in Christ. So in so many ways, individually, all of us in this place are completely equal in that we're all victorious in Jesus. So you have, in a lot of ways, arrived <laughs> in heaven, in Christ. It's signed, it's sealed, delivered. You cannot change the mind of God by your performance, by your reviews, by the way that you rate yourself. You're included in him. And that is good news for you because brother, sister, you can relax in the sense of God has made his mind up about us and it's not changing. It's not Santa. He's not checking his list twice. He's not redividing up his preferences based on your performance this year. We're safe. I don't know about you, but that releases something in me. <laughs> I mean, he calls us his royal priest. He, the color purple is all over you. It's the color of heaven. It's the color of glory, of honor, of royalty. Do you, do you recognize that that's one of the greatest discoveries you first make is not how bad you are, but how good you are in him. Makes all the difference when I approach these rhythms. The second one, not that I just live from uh, rest and I have arrived in Christ, but that Christ is in me. And we communicate this hopefully often. One of my favorite scriptures is Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Christ is in you. My friend Francois de Tue calls this the pin code to scripture. Like you will understand the gospel if you understand Christ in me. Do you recognize that this morning? It's not just words. Christ is inside of you. Like if I cut you open, <laughs> what's in there? Not just last night's dinner. Jesus. And he's in everybody. And the good news is we get to discover and get people to awaken to the reality that Christ is in them. Like when, you know, when, when there's a hero. When you see, have you seen those videos when there's a hero? When there's, someone breaks into a place and a brother comes from the side and he takes him out and he says, I love you, I'm going to hug you strongly until the police come. <laughs> when there's a crash and people jump out of the car and they get, they get involved. 
When someone falls down and someone comes and they just help them. Is that the devil <laughs> helping them, loving them, supporting them? No, it's not. Is that just because they're a good human? No, it's not because you don't always feel like doing that. I believe that God lives inside of every human being and the glorious good news we have to share is that very reality. People aren't willing and aren't just hungry to be told how bad they are. They know that. They look at themselves every day in the mirror and they try to convince themselves how terrible they are, how ugly they are, how fat they are, how bad they are, how slow they are. Our job is to edify and to amplify. That is the characteristic of the Holy Spirit. Is that wherever you go, they should help people understand that God is with them. Christ is in me. So rest lives in me. That changes it for me now because it's not something I'm going to drink or accrue or earn. It's a reality. And my job is to discover his very presence in me and say, ah, oh, okay. Rest is not something I have to achieve on the outside. It's something I have to discover on the inside. You know, I hope that when I get home, and this doesn't happen often enough, that my children would somehow feel that rest has arrived, that peace is in the room, that my life wouldn't just communicate hurry and rush towards some endless achievement, some extra like on social media, some extra affirmation from the external world, but that I arrive and peace has come home. Do you want that for your family? Do you want that for your spouse? I have to acknowledge that I'm not there. Sometimes it gets more anxious when dad's home. Sometimes we're busier. Sometimes I have to raise my voice because they're not busy enough. <laughs> Who's going to put that guinea pig back in its cage? Me. Is it my guinea pig or is it your guinea pig? You don't even love the guinea pig. I'm just going to kill the guinea pig. Is that okay? <laughs> just take it out. You wouldn't care because you don't love the guinea pig. <laughs> hey, we have a guinea pig. Okay. It's a miracle that thing's alive. Really. It lost its friend about a year ago. The lawn once flooded and it, drift, it was floating on the lawn. It made it. Christ is in me. Joy and peace and love is in the room. And you know how I know that? It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's not different to Jesus. The Holy Spirit's the Spirit of Christ. Romans 8, 9 says, You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but you are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ... They do not belong to Christ. It's the spirit of Jesus that lives in you. It's a gift of the spirit. That's why it doesn't make sense <coughs> to the world. It's not transactional. We purely receive that which God has given to us freely. So joy is the fruit of the spirit. Peace, grace, mercy, justice. The spirit of God lives in us and it is the spirit that's going to help you when you implement these practices to actually follow through with them it's not in your strength to do it 
That's why our New Year's resolutions were probably the same ones we picked last year. You just seem to fail. If you don't lean into the Spirit, there's no follow through. Third thing, we're not nearly there. We are in Christ. You see, it's not just that I'm in Christ, but that we are in Christ. (laughs) Rest doesn't just live in me. Rest lives in us. I love this translation of Romans in the message, and I'm going to read it because it just communicates so much. In this way, we are like the various parts of a human body. Each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole, not the other way around. The body we're talking about is Christ's body of chosen people. Each of us find our meaning and function as part of this body, but as a chopped off finger or a cut off toe, we wouldn't amount to much, would we? (coughs) So, since we find ourselves fashioned into all these excellently formed and marvelously functioning parts, in Christ's body, let's just go ahead and be what we were made to be. Without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves to each other or trying to be something we aren't. If you preach, just preach God's message, nothing else. If you help, just help. Don't take over. If you teach, stick to your teachings. If you give encouraging guidance, be careful that you don't get bossy. If you're put in charge, don't manipulate. If you're called to give aid to people in distress, keep your eyes open and be quick to respond. If you work with the disadvantaged, don't let yourself get irritated with them or depressed by them. I love this. Keep a smile on your face. Someone once said, a friend of mine, can you please notify your face (laughs) that you are saved? That the joy of the Lord is your strength. That God's grace endures forever. His mercy is endless. Can you just notify your face? You don't have to feel like it. Can you just tell your face? (coughs) You don't have to fake smile. Like let it be authentic and genuine and all that stuff. But can you just let your body know? This is the good news that we depart from. We are in Christ. Part of this journey as we look at these four things and how we implement them is not that we just want to do it individually because it's not an individual journey. The whole body doesn't exist to amplify you. You exist to bring glory to the body as that text says. So we need to make adjustments as we go that we are in Christ. It's not just individually that we're going to ask a question. So Sabbath, what do we do individually to readjust to that rhythm? But Sabbath, what do we do corporately to adjust to that rhythm? That's what we're inviting you into. What is this going to mean for us as a body of believers, as a family? You see, you don't just take Sabbath on your own. (laughs) You can't ignore the fact that you live with other people or work with other people or engage with other people. We have to think about our corporate activity as well. And then lastly, we minister as Christ. This is the big job. Rest now lives through us, hopefully. Our presence doesn't bring anxiety to our world. Our presence is healing. It's restorative. 
It brings reconciliation. For all these things are from God who reckoned us, he reckoned us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. If you study this text deeply, which we won't do now, you'll recognize that what God is doing here is he's helping humanity have his opinion in their hearts. He reconciled us to himself. He didn't reconcile himself to us. See that? Jesus, God didn't change his mind about us. He's changing our mind about him. And then he gives us an opportunity. This is wild to collaborate, to work with him, to help people understand what God is thinking. That's both a great gift, but also a tremendous responsibility. (laughs) That's why we don't stand with banners outside saying anything that contradicts God revealed in Christ. You are loved. You're included. You're beautiful. Let's make some banners that just tell people how incredible they are. Wouldn't that be radical? Yes, it doesn't align to their behavior. (laughs) If we did that, it would be terrible. You're annoying. (laughs) You're, You're not good enough. You're irritating. Some people think that's Christianity. So, I live from rest. Rest lives in me. Rest lives in us. And rest lives through us. We move from solitude to community to ministry. And so landing this morning on this little story. If we look at Jesus and he becomes our method towards understanding how good we are in God's eyes, then we have to look at the way that he did things. Now it happened, this is from Luke, in those days that Jesus went onto the mountain to pray and he spent the whole night in prayer to God. This is the, this is the anointed one. This is the one that represents the Father exactly, yet he spent time with the Father. He went into the mountain to pray. He created silence and solitude because that is the place where you can be most convinced of God's opinion when all the external noises are canceled. And when the day came, now maybe he prayed in his sleep, but I don't think he slept. (laughs) Anyway, when the day came, he summoned his disciples and picked out 12 of them and called them apostles. Massive statement. Simon, whom he called Peter, and his brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon, called the zealot, Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. He called him an apostle as well. Then he then came with them and stopped at a piece of level ground where there was a large gathering of his disciples. There was a great crowd then of people from all parts of Judea and Jerusalem and the coastal region of Tyre and Sinan and who had come to, to hear him and be cured of their diseases. And people tormented by unclean spirits were also cured. Everyone in the crowd was trying to touch him because power came out of him that cured them all. What Jesus shows us is that there's a rhythm from solitude to community to ministry. You need to understand this morning that you are in Christ 
you move from rest. And if that means you have to create silent solitude spaces where you can be on your own, that's good. You need to understand that rest lives in you. And then in the context of community, you do like Jesus did from solitude to community to ministry. You discover that as a body of believers. I believe when these uh, rest, rest facts, the incredible truth that's contained in them sits on our inside, it's such a different story when we integrate the rhythms into them. Ephesians 1 verse 11 to 12 is that text. I mentioned a bit earlier. It's in Christ that we found out who we are and what we are living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, (laughs) he had his eye on us, had designs on us for glorious living. Part of the overall purpose, he is working out in everything and every one. Glorious living. Let's pray together this morning. Father, as we create space in us to discover that which is really true, we we just recognize the fact that we are sitting down. That no effort on our part would ever change your mind, would convince you to love us or accept us. We're not orphans. So we don't have to carry this orphan spirit of trying to stay home, to be included, to be invited. We're just not there. We are sons and daughters. We're included. We're included in your finished work, Lord. Firstly, we just recognize that everything we do comes from a place of rest. We move from rest. As we exit this place today, we recognize that we, although we are still tired and our life is out of rhythm and out of whack, The reality is that in the biggest scheme of things, we are at rest in you. We are seated in heavenly places. So maybe that's the first thing we do. Is while our eyes are closed this morning, for those who are willing, let me just imagine for a moment that you are now sitting in heaven. And maybe, maybe you don't feel like it or your life doesn't resemble a kind of heaven, but maybe that's the point, that you would recognize that you are there, but you're still here. That you would experience heaven in the place that you are sitting now. And yes, if we make a list of all the challenges and things that are out of line, we'd be a long list and we'd sit here for a very long time because you have enough reason to be incredibly sad, to be depressed, to be anxious. There's enough people that have heard you that would give you enough reason to sit here with bitterness in your heart, anger, feelings of retribution. But it's in that space, the very presence of God, the Holy Spirit, Helps you to understand that you're not just in Christ, but that Christ is in you. 
And because Christ is in you there where there is light, there is no space for darkness. And as you awaken to the reality of Christ's very presence in you, you recognize that every time you take communion, every time you recognize God's work, it pushes out the darkness that has made its home in your heart. That there's a restoration happening in this very moment as you are doing, Holy Spirit, you are doing your heart work in this place as we sit here at this time. That the very reason we're chasing things on the outside is because we don't have peace on the inside. The very reason that we are not satisfied by the videos we watch and the things we pursue is because we don't have satisfaction internally. So we ask, Lord, Holy Spirit, as only you can do, we ask that you do your work at this time. And you are in every person sitting here, whether they want to know it or not, you are realigning their life in this moment. You're bringing perspective, divine perspective in this moment. And you are filling all things with your presence. So we, some of us call that the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Maybe there's a bit of a wrestle now because we're praying a bit long. It doesn't suit you. You have things to do. The roast is in the oven. The washing needs to be hung. Someone has to wash the car and mow the lawn. You're a busy man. I'm going to ask you to sit intentionally as a form of resistance in this place. And you even feel the tension uh, and it feels like a, it's a never-ending wave that just continues. The house is never clean. I agree. But Christ is in you. And Lord, you have complete authority over all things. We have a choice to recognize that. And just as we are seated here on our own, we're not on our own. We are, we are surrounded by other witnesses. There's people around us. Somehow, some way, this is also a difficult thing for us to do, <laughs> to surrender to the whole, to submit to the room. Because you don't like all of them. And we confess that this morning as we're praying to the Lord who knows all things. <laughs> Lord, just release us from competing with one another. We confess, Lord, that we don't always enjoy one another, love one another, forgive one another. We just recognize that we're part of the whole this morning. Diverse, different. That's the beauty of this body. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, this morning, as we do this now. This morning, there are churches, thousands of churches across this nation, praying, interceding for Australia and the world. They intercede for their fellow brothers and sisters. And this pressure that this virus is bringing, not just in the illness itself, but in the complete anxiety, the depression, the financial stress. Some people are completely overwhelmed in this time. And it is time for the church to stand in prayer together in unity. So we stand with our brothers and sisters across this nation. 
as we intercede. We, we stand in the gap for those folks. Lord, we pray for countries like Afghanistan in this moment. Yes, we care. And yes, we have authority in the spirit to speak to that environment. We speak life. We speak peace. And we speak to the leaders across this world that may respond in the way that Jesus would respond. May we not just follow you in principle, but may we follow you in practice. And so we speak to those principalities and powers because we have a say. Father, that we may minister to our world, that we don't simply just have peace. We depart from peace. We also carry peace. We have peace in our midst among us, but that our ministry would be one of peace to our world. So we just thank you for that. In Jesus' name, as we continue to walk with you. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you were encouraged by the message and would like to hear more sermons like this, make sure you hit subscribe. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. To experience other messages, videos, and live services, head to oranahills.church and navigate to the resources tab. Thanks for listening.